Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, look what the Lord is doing at Bethesda Church, right? Isn't this awesome? Come on, church, this is awesome. And, um, you know, I just noticed something that's going on around here. I mean, obviously, the Holy Spirit's moving, and God is touching and changing lives. 123 people saved at, at the movies. That's awesome. And those of you that will be getting baptized and getting connected to the church. But uh, I'm just telling you, God is not finished, and this is just the beginning of what he wants to do here with you and through you. But I'm telling you, I just, as I was hanging out today, both services, there, there's just a joy in this house. I mean, there is a joy. I see smile on, uh, smiles on people's faces all over the place. I mean, it's like, I'm happy to be here. You know, some churches you go to, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, hurry up and get me out of here. But you guys will act like you like being here. And uh, so, hey, you guys are just awesome. And uh, give it up for yourselves and the leadership here at Bethesda Church. Can you guys see my shoes? Can you see them? Do we need to turn them down some? Are they too bright? Are you sure? Um, You know, uh, these shoes have a story to it. When I was here for First Wednesday, um, before I came, your pastor texted me and he said, what size shoe do you wear? I'm like, this is a really strange and odd question. Just out of the blue. I hadn't heard from him for a long time. Well, not a long time, but anyway. And I'm like, what size shoe do I wear? He says, yeah, what size shoe do you wear? And I'm like, I gave him the size. He said, okay. I'm like... What's up with that, right? So when I came here for First Wednesday, um, walked into the green room and on the table were these Air Jordans uh, as a gift for me for my birthday, which was the day I was here. So I just want you to know that your pastors, Pastor Chad and Karen, are one of the most generous, kind, giving people that you'll meet on the, place, uh, on the face of this earth. And so let's just let them know that we appreciate them so much. So in honor of your pastors, I'm wearing these shoes today, and uh, it's typically not my style as far as this for preaching, but how am I looking? So I asked my wife, I said, what do you think? And she said, you're not young. She said, you have to remember you're 53 now. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to bring it, but this is me. This is the best I can do right now. So I'm wearing these shoes in honor of your pastor, just my uh, appreciation and just how much I appreciate your pastor so much. They are so dear friends to us. And um, I'm telling you, you guys have a gem with them. And I just uh, love and appreciate them. I know they're not here, but would you just let them know that you appreciate them as well? All right. How many of you know that we serve the kind of God that no matter how bad it looks, no matter how far down we might be in life, God says, I'm never going to give up on you. I'm never going to quit on you. And it's never too late for a comeback in your life. How many of you know God's fighting for you until the very end? He is. Amen. And the Bible is 
filled with comeback stories of individuals, individuals like Abraham, who God brought him back from many mistakes and caused him to be the father of our faith. Guys like Joseph, who came back from a life of slavery and imprisonment to become the second in command of all of Egypt. You look at men like Moses, who came back after hiding for 40 years in a wilderness, after committing murder to become the leader that would bring the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. And then you look at men like David. The Bible says that after David committed adultery with Bathsheba, God had a comeback for his life. And as the Bible records these words about David. It says that he was a man after God's own heart. And then we look at Paul, formerly known as Saul, who persecuted the Christians by killing them and having them in prison, who uh, one day God knocked him off of his high horse and got a hold of his life and had a great comeback where he became the Apostle Paul and wrote 13 of the New Testament books. How many of you know that it's never too late, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it's never too late for a comeback in your life? It's the same way with you and I. When we sin, when we mess up, when we make mistakes, and we desperately need a Savior, enter Jesus. We know that he sacrificed for our sins that we might be able to draw close to the Father, to draw near to him, so that you and I could have the ultimate comeback. Because here's something that we need to realize and understand, that as long as Jesus is in the story, it's never too late for a comeback. As long as Jesus is a part of the narrative, it's never too late for a comeback. Because we serve a God who we know has brought or has engineered the greatest comeback known to mankind. You know the comeback that I'm talking about. Put him in the tomb, put him in the grave, and three days later, he rises from the dead and he comes back. That's the kind of God that you and I serve. We serve a God of the comeback. How many of you believe that to be true this morning? If you do, put your hands together and give him praise. So we serve a God of the comeback. We serve a God who's able to resurrect things from the dead. But you may be sitting here this morning and you might be saying, well, preacher, you don't understand my story. You don't understand my situation. You don't realize the mess that I'm in. And I could never see myself recovering from this. I could never see myself um, regaining my former, my former life. I could never see myself recovering from all of this stuff that I've gotten myself into. I'm here to tell you that you and I serve a God who can bring you out of any situation and any circumstance that you find yourself in. Look at what 2 Samuel 14 and 14 says. It says, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered. So we must die. But that is not what God desires. Here's, here it is. Rather, he devises ways so that the banished person does not remain banished from him. This is what this scripture tells us. It tells us that when we go through the spilt milk seasons in our life, we serve a God who devises a plan, who makes a way 
to whereby all that which has been scattered in our life will be gathered and brought back. Things that we thought we lost, things that we thought we would never recover. God has a plan and God has a way of bringing it all back. God has a way of bringing things back together. God has a way to regain things in our life. God has a way to reclaim things. God has a way to restore things in our life. God has a way to refresh things and renew things in our life. No matter what came out of our life, God has a way of regathering and bringing it all back together. As a matter of fact, God says, I am devising a plan. I have a plan to bring you back to wholeness. I have a plan to bring you back to wellness. I have a bring you, uh, plan to bring you back to the status that I have for your life. I have a plan for your life, no matter where you are now, to bring you back to my plan and my purpose for your life. Aren't you thankful that God has a comeback plan for our life? He makes a way for us. I want us to look at that plan right now, and I want us to go to Job chapter 14, and I want us to look at this scripture. If anyone could identify with a comeback plan in their life, it's Job. If anyone could testify to the fact that God can bring you back from the brink of disaster and destruction, it's Job. I think he knows a little something about a comeback. After all, this is a man who lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his friends. For a short period of time, he lost his spouse. But God brought it all back together in his life. God had a comeback for his life. So if anybody could speak to us about a comeback, Job is the one who could speak to us about a comeback. And this is what he says. He says, for there is hope for a tree. Say there's hope. How many of you know as long as there's hope, we have a chance? He said, there is hope for a tree that has been cut down. So it doesn't matter what's been taken away, what's been brought low in your life. Job said, there's still hope. And he compares it to a tree. He says, it sprouts again. It grows tender new branches, though its roots have grown old in the earth and its stump decays. It may sprout again and bud again. Here it is, at the touch of of water. I know some of you might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, well, you know what? I'm too old for a comeback. There's too much behind me now for a comeback. He said here, it doesn't matter how old or how devastated or even if it's decaying, he says here, as long as it's around the water, the potential and the possibility for a comeback exist. Now, symbolically, what that says to you and I is simply this. We need to make sure that we are connected or we are around the water source. He said, as long as the roots touch the water, it has the potential to blossom again. What is that water? What is he talking about? That water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John's gospel. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Water. This he spoke of the spirit that was about to be given to his disciples. Uh, Acts chapter 2 
2 tells us that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So here's the takeaway from this. As long as you and I can tap into the source of water, we can blossom again. As long as you and I stay connected to the water source, we can have a comeback in our lives. As long as there is a touch of water on your marriage, it can blossom again. As long as there is a touch of water on your family, it can blossom again. As long as there is a touch of water, a hint of water on your business, it can succeed again. Wherever the water touches, there is potential for that thing to blossom again. And I'm just letting you know today that you are connected to a source, a life-giving source to what whatever is dead in your life, whatever is not working in your life, if you will remain faithful and grounded, you can see God begin to resurrect things in your life. And I'm telling you, you are a candidate for a comeback if you're connected to the water today. Listen to what Psalm 1 and 3 says. It says, a blessed man is like what? A tree. Remember what Job just talked about? He talked about the tree being connected to the water. So symbolically, symbolically, as long as you and I, representing symbolic of that tree, as long as you and I are planted, it says, by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in due season. So what he's saying is this, even though things have been cut down in your life, even though there's been setbacks in your life, even though there's been loss in your life, as long as you are planted, there's the potential for a comeback. Not only the potential, it's going to happen as long as you remain rooted in the ground. The problem with many people is whenever they get in a situation where they begin to experience loss, when they begin to experience setbacks in their life, many times they want to uproot themselves. Don't uproot yourself. Make sure you stay connected to that life-giving source. Don't run. Stay planted. For some of you, it's in this house right here. In case you haven't figured it out, there is a life-giving source of the Holy Spirit flowing through this house. There is a river that's flowing through this house. It's the river that Ezekiel talked about in Ezekiel 47. It is a river that it brings life. It is a river that flows from, from the very throne room or from the very throne of God and it fills this room and it fills this place. That's why people are walking around with smiles on their faces. That's why people are walking around with joy in their heart. Why? Because they are connected to the source of the Holy Spirit that flows within this house. And if you will stay rooted in this house, you will begin to see God bring about a resurrection in your life. Come on, somebody. If you believe that today. That's why it's important for you to get connected to a group. That's why it's important for you to get around people that offer life-giving, that are life-givers, amen? Not dream killers, but life-givers. That's why it's important that you take your next step. If you were uh, recently saved, take that next step and be baptized. Get in a group, start serving, and watch and see what God will do. I'm telling you, God has a plan to bring you back from whatever situation you may find yourself in. And let's talk about that for a minute. God wants to get you on 
the path for a comeback in your life. Many of us are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son said to the father, you know what, I'm tired of living in your house. I'm tired of living by your rules. Just give me my inheritance and let me go. Well, in that culture, in that time, whenever a son would ask for their inheritance, it was like telling the father, I hate you, you're dead to me, you're nothing to me. And so that's, that's the setting in which the son leaves the father. And you know the story. After, after wasting all of his time and wasting all of the money, and when the friends left him and he was left by himself, he was sitting in the pig pen. And the Bible says this. It's in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20. It says this. So he got up and went to his father. That's the first thing you're going to have to do. If you're going to have a comeback in your life, you're going to have to get up. And I know that it's easy easier for us just to sit in the mire and the clay and to sit there and feel sorry for ourselves and have a pity party for ourselves. But sooner or later, we're going to have to get to the place in our life where we say, we're tired of this. We're tired of living this way. We're tired of being without the Father. We're tired of being without the blessing of the Father. We're tired of not being in the Father's house. I'm tired of wasting my time and wasting my years in this place. And you're just going to have to get up. For some, it's It's not a geographical place. For some, it's a place spiritually. We've just been stuck. We're sitting there. But God is saying, I have orchestrated your comeback. But the first thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get up and get back to the Father. You just can't sit there. You're going to have to make a move back to the Father. Now watch what it says. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Notice it didn't say he was filled with condemnation. Notice it didn't say that he was going to condemn the son. It said that he was filled with compassion. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again. God is not out to get you. If God was out to get you, he would have got you a long time ago. He's not out to get us. God's not up there just waiting for us to make a mistake so that he can pounce on us. God is, God is full of mercy, full of grace. And what God is looking for in our lives is God is looking for us to make a decision to get up from where we are and to start moving towards him, to make a move towards God. God is looking for us to make a turn towards him. Can I tell you something this morning? God's not looking for us to get it all together because we can't. God's not looking for us to get it all straightened out and then come back. God is simply looking for us just to make a decision to get up and head back to him and to head back to his house. How many of you know that God is just waiting for us to make a move? Because when we make a move, God will make his move. Some of us are sitting in this room today and we're thinking, well, if God will make a move, then I will. No, that's not how it works. God says, you take a step of faith and and watch and see what I will do. Because as soon as the son got up, read the story. The Bible said the father saw him afar off, of great distance away, and he went running towards his son. I'm telling you, as God sees you make a move in your comeback, he's going to come to you because you can't get to God back by yourself. It takes God turning to us and bringing us back in order for us to have a, let me say it this way. You and I cannot have a comeback in our life 
unless God is involved in that comeback. And if you'll turn, he'll come. Come on and give him praise if you believe that today. The father had already orchestrated the son's comeback. Because when the son came home, this is what the father said. The father said to his servants, quick, bring me the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. How many of you know that the best robe belonged to the father? And the best robe is symbolic of the robe of righteousness. And God is simply saying, he's on my team now. And God is simply saying, I need to cover him. All of the guilt and all of the shame from the pig pen is now covered by the Father's righteousness. Not by our righteousness, because our righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. You can never do good enough to get the stench of the pig pen off of your life. It takes the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And that was one of the exchange that God did for us on Calvary. He took our sin, put it on himself, and took his righteousness and put it on us. And when that son came back home, the father was simply saying, all of the filth from the pig pen, all of the filth from your former life is now covered with my righteousness. So when I look at you, I don't see the pig pen. I see my righteousness on you. I don't see your failures. I don't see your mistakes. I don't see your sin. I see my righteousness on you. That's how we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy from God. Aren't you thankful that it's not us, but it's everything that he did for us? Oh, come on and give him praise right now. See, I grew up in a, in a form, or I grew up in a, in, a, in a place where they taught that you had to do good things to earn God's grace. But yet they told me that I'm saved by grace. And then they turn around and tell me that in order to keep being saved, I had to do good things. Now, maybe you've never been in that camp, but that's what I grew up in. And then I thought about it one day. Well, if his grace is good enough to save me, then his grace has to be good enough to keep me. Yes. That it's not because now I'm doing all the right things that I'm saved. It's because of what he did for me that I'm saved and he's gonna keep me saved by the power of his love and his blood. Come on somebody, that's what he's talking about. And then the Bible said he put a ring on his finger. He put a ring on his finger. That ring signified, first of all, authority, but it also signified of the restoring of a gift. Because many times, especially when we drift away from God, and maybe we come back to God, Many times we feel like that we have to earn our way back into, and I just talked about it, earn our way back into the privileges and the blessings and the favor of God. Well, the son had, didn't do anything to earn himself back into the privileges and the favor of the father. The father put that ring on his fing finger to signify that not only was he restoring him, but he was also restoring the authority and the gifting 
and the calling that was on his life. This is for somebody listening to me today because you feel like you can't get back into ministry. You feel like you can't get back into doing what you were doing before you went back. But I'm here to tell you that God says my gift and my calling is without repentance. When I give it to you, it's yours for life. And I gave it to you knowing you were gonna mess up. I gave it to you knowing you were gonna fall short. I gave it to you and called you knowing that you were gonna make mistakes. I gave it to you and called you knowing you were going to fall short and sin, but I gave it to you anyway, not based upon you, but based upon my goodness and based upon my mercy, and I'm not taking it from you, and if you'll come back, you'll pick up right where you left off. Right where you left off. How do I know that? Well, remember the story in the Old Testament where, where one of the prophets came to Elijah and he said, you know what? He said, I've lost the ax head. And he said, it wasn't mine. I borrowed it. And he said, well, where did you lose it? And he took him back to that spot, that place where the ax head flew into the river. And he said, he went back to that very spot. And as they stood there, that ax head resurfaced again. And he said, pick it up and take it back to its rightful owner. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when I come back, I don't have to go back to the starting line. It tells me that when I make a comeback, I just pick up where I left off. And some of us think that we have to go all the way back to the back of the line and start over. No, God is saying, you just pick up where you left off. You just pick up where you left off and keep serving and keep believing because I am the one who gave you the gift and I'm the one who said you can use it and keep it. It's yours, use it. It's yours, use it. Now, I understand, I understand, and I don't have time to get into all of it. I understand about the restoration process. I understand about all of that. But that gift and calling God gave you, and he wants you to get back in the game and use it for his glory. And then the Bible said that they put shoes on his feet. Air Jordans. (laughs) They put shoes on his feet. And the reason that they put shoes on his feet, because when you were a slave, they would take away your shoes so that you couldn't run. And they put shoes on his feet to let him know you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to the pig pen. You're no longer a slave to your old life. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And he put shoes on his feet so that he could have a sure foundation to stand upon. Uh, the Bible says that part of the part of the weapon that we put on, part of the armor that we put on, are the shoes shod with the gospel of peace. That's our footing. So whenever we get in slippery places, whenever we get in places where we might slip up, if we have the shoes of the gospel of peace on, we we can navigate our way through those uh, places in life, so that we can stand assured, knowing that He's kept us and He'll keep us through every season, every temptation, and every trial in our lives. Someone's getting your shoes back this morning. And that means this, what you failed at before, you're going you're gonna to have victory over today. God's giving your shoes back and you're going to stand victorious in his name. Amen. I'm almost done. First closing. Do you have three closings here? Okay. First closing. So we have We have the plan, we have the path, but God's also gonna give us the power. Everyone say power. Power. 
Many of you are familiar with the story of the strong man, Samson. The power of Samson rested in his Nazarite vow with God. Part of that vow was he was to not cut his hair. The power did not rest in his hair. The power rep rested in what his hair represented, and that was his relationship and covenant with God. The cutting of the hair was simply symbolic of the cutting of the relationship that Samson had severed before he ever got to that place. Don't have time to talk about it, but that's what it represents. So they cut his hair off. And the Bible says that when they called, when she called upon Samson as the Philistines came upon him, he shook himself, only this time he found out that his strength had left him. And listen to what the Bible says. It says this in Judges 16, 21. It says, then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding grain in the prison. I'm gonna to talk to you about a comeback. This is someone who compromised the relationship with God, lowered his standards, and got to the place where his adversary captured him. And the Bible says that they gouged out his eyes. They took away his vision, and that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to rob us of the vision that God has for our life. And whenever we are away from the Father, and whenever we are held captive by the adversary, we lose sight, we lose the vision that God has for our life. For the Bible says without a vision, we what? We perish. And so Samson had not only lost that physical vision, but spiritually, he lost his vision for a better day in God. And then the Bible says that he lost his, his power. They put his hands in shackles. And this is what happens to us. When we lower our standards, when we lower our ways, and we start compromising the things of God, and we become captive to our adversary, we lose our power. Hands are symbolic of power. We lose our power to pray. We lose our power to praise. Praise our way through. And so he lost his power. And then the Bible says this about Samson. The Bible said he lost his ability to fight because he was bound. And he went around and around and around all day long, grinding wheat for his adversary, making bread for his enemies. And that which he was supposed to be fighting, the Philistines, he's now feeding. And anytime you or I start feeding the things you should be fighting or we should be fighting, it's a sign that the enemy has us bound. But how many of you know God has a comeback? I said, I don't care, God has a comeback. If you've lost your vision, if you've lost your power, if you've lost your fight, it's not too late. God has a comeback in mind. I want you to look at this, Judges 16 and verse 22, second closing. But the hair on his head began to grow again after 
it had been shaved. Here's the mistake the, the Philistines made. They didn't put a barber in Samson's prison cell because his hair, symbolizing his relationship with God, began to grow again. And I'm telling you, I don't care how far you've drifted away. I don't care how far back you are. Spiritually speaking, your hair can grow again. That relationship with God can resurface again. But guess where it starts? It starts in your head. Because before you ever get up physically, before you ever get up spiritually, before you ever get up uh, emotionally or financially, you get up mentally. You have to make a decision to get up. I'm gonna get up from this. Going back to the prodigal son, the Bible says, he came to his senses and he made a decision to get up. Your comeback, my comeback begins in our mind to make a decision. I'm not gonna sit here. I'm not gonna stay here. I serve a God of a comeback. I serve the God of comebacks. And this is not going to be the final chapter and the final story in my walk, in my relationship, in my ministry, in my business, in my family, in my relationship. I am getting up from this and God is orchestrating my comeback. You believe he can do it today? It was in October of 2012. I'm driving on 64 East. A friend of mine let me borrow at any time. A brand, he had a brand new convertible Corvette. He said, I never drive it. He was always gone. He was always away on business. He said, here's the key. Here's the number to get in my garage. He said, go get it. It's yours. And he would be gone for months. So, being a good friend. <laughs> so I went and got the car one day and I'm on 64 East. I don't even know where I'm going, but I'm angry and I'm mad. It was, I was at my breaking point. It was the culmination of three years of what I describe my literal hell on earth. Three years. There was no let up. You know how there are times when you go through seasons in your life and, and even every now and then there seems to be like you, you can catch your breath. You know, sometimes we say it's one thing after the other. I'm telling you for three years, it was constant. There was not a let up in any area of my life. I literally got to the place where I thought I was losing my mind. And I'm in this car and I'm driving way too fast. And I'm almost ashamed to say it, but I will, I will say it because I think it's going to help somebody. There were flashes that would go through my mind of just veering off and just going over the cliff, over the mountain and just ending it all. I'm telling you, that's the place I was at. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, 
Physically, I was spent. I was there. And I'm pastoring. I'm the pastor. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to pastor. As a matter of fact, I did everything I could to avoid going to church except on Sunday. And that's because I had to be there. I'm the pastor. And I'm, I'm just mad at God. And I had been accused of anything and everything you could think of. I mean, if you could imagine it, I was accused of it. And it wasn't the world, it was the church. It would have been one thing if it was the world, but it was the church. People that I had prayed for, people that I had worshiped with, people that I had mentored and pastored. And I'm so mad at God. And I'm, I'm, I'm just telling them I'm through. I don't want any of this anymore. Take it. I don't want it anymore. It's yours. And then I got to this place and I screamed it out. I mean, out loud. I screamed it out. I said, what do you want me to do? And I was angry. And this is what he told me. I heard it as sure as I'm standing on this flat platform. Pat, platform. Easy for me to say. This is what I heard him say. Go. Nothing else. I just heard go. And I'm telling you, there was a supernatural peace that flooded that car. The only way I can describe it is it was the presence of God settled into that car with me. And I had a peace at that moment that surpassed all understanding. I, didn't, I couldn't slow down, got off on the next exit, turned around, started heading back home called my wife and I said, we're leaving. She goes, what do you mean we're leaving? I said, we're leaving. It's October, 2012. I said, we're leaving. She said, where are we going? I said, I don't know. She said, what are we going to do? I said, I do not know. She said, what do you mean you don't know? And what do you mean you don't know where we're going? I said, I don't know. I just heard God say, go. This is all we've done for the last 20 years as pastor, full time. You're going to go resign the church? Yes, I'm going to resign the church. Where are we going? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. Click. She calls me back. She said, I don't know how to explain it. She said, there is such a peace in this room right now. I said, I know, I know. So in December of 2012, we resigned our church and went back and watch how God works and went back home. Our house had fallen through and wouldn't sell for six years. That was another thing, two mortgages for six years. Wouldn't sell, fell through three different, three different times at the bank, signing the papers, fell through. 
And when we said we were going home, the third time, this is what happened. The people that were going to buy the house said, we don't want the house. We're leaving. We're moving back to Texas. I said, thank you. That's an open door. And we went right back to the home that we had left six years prior. Without a job, without income, without any direction on what to do. And for the next eight months of our life, God brought healing into our life. And I can tell you that God supernaturally provided for us. We had no income for eight months. None. Didn't miss a house payment. Didn't miss any food. I mean, God supernaturally provided for us. And there was a group, I need to hurry, there were a group of about 12 people that said, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I said, I know that, I've preached that. They said, you know you can't run from this. You know God's hands on your life. You know what you're supposed to be doing. And I said, I don't wanna open myself up to that hurt anymore. I don't wanna become vulnerable to that again. I'm just now starting to feel like God's bringing healing into my life. And as I shared in the first service, I would literally grab my Bible in the morning and I would get a cup of coffee and I'd go sit down and I'd have a legal notepad and I would wait and I would read and I would wait and God would speak and I literally filled probably 12 to 15 legal notepads full of just notes that God would just begin to speak to my heart. Many things just for me personally. And God brought healing into my life. Long story short, there were 12 of us meeting in my living room. After 20 years of full-time ministry, 12 of us meeting in a living room. And they said, you know, we need to start a church. I said, I have no idea what to do with starting a church. I've never started a church. I don't know what that looks like. And we have no money. Literally started a church without we, had not, we didn't even have a microphone. I had to borrow a microphone. Started that church in 2014. This past weekend, there were over 400 people that attended our weekend services. 16 people were baptized. 16 people just went through our growth track class last week. I'm telling you, God is the God of comebacks. I need you to stand with me right now. God is the God of comebacks. And didn't have a building, met in a school for the last four years. God supernaturally just made a way for us to purchase a 30, over 30,000 square foot facility, seven and a half acres, right in the heart of our city, I mean, right in the middle of what everything is happening and everything is going on. And we got that piece of property for $600,000 and it's valued at $1.7 million. And we had 400,000 going from not a microphone four years ago, $400,000 going into that. I'm telling you, God is a God of comebacks. He's the God of comebacks. And you want to know what's greater? You want to know what's greater for me personally than the building and the property, and I'm thankful for it, 
and all the people that are coming to Life Point Church now that I'm so grateful and thankful for. But you really want to know what I'm grateful and thankful for? Is I got my joy back. I, I got my passion back. I got my zeal back for the house of God. I got my passion back and compassion for God's people. I had, to, I had to forgive and let go of a lot of people because I was carrying that in my spirit and it was toxic. It was eating me alive. But I'm telling you, never too late for a comeback. I don't care how far gone it looks. I don't care how bad it is. I am a testimony that God, even though it was cut down, it will sprout again. And it is. I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's ready for a comeback in your life. You might be saying, I'm ready. I'm ready for a comeback. I'm ready to get up. I'm not even saying you're in sin. You're just ready to get back in the game. I'm ready. I'm ready to serve again. I'm ready to get involved again. I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to try that again. I'm ready to try that business again. I'm ready to, to, to work on that relationship. I'm just ready. I'm ready for a comeback. Is there anybody in this room that would say, preacher, I'm ready and I believe he's the God of the comeback and I'm ready for a comeback in my life. Would you just lift your hands right where you're at? I'm ready for a comeback. I'm ready for a comeback. I, I, I'm believing God for a comeback. I'm believing God for a comeback. Will you do something even bolder than raising your hand? Will you take a step of faith and join me in this altar right now? Because I believe there's an anointing in this house for a comeback in your life. Someone under the sound of my voice, you need a comeback in your finances. And God's saying, you can have it. You can have it. It's yours. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sprout again. It's going to blossom again. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Somebody in this room, you've, you've failed in some business endeavors, but God says, this time is the time. It's going to blossom. It's going to blossom. I want you to come, 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 come. Come, come on. He's the God of the comeback. He's the God of the comeback. There's someone under the sound of my voice. You love God, there's no doubt about it. But you've been hurt in church. Some of the greatest hurt you'll ever experience is right in church. But you have to understand we're not perfect people. We, we, we fall short. And you love God and you're serving God, but you've been, you've been at a distance. You're like, you know what? I'm not, I'm just, I'm gonna stand back and watch. It's time to get back in the game. My healing, how God brought healing into my life, not only was in those precious moments of being alone with God, but God brought healing into my life through his people. The greatest hurts that I experienced were through people, but some of the greatest healing that I experienced were through people that God used in the church to bring healing in my life.
So you may be in this room today and you're saying, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I said it. I said it. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I yielded to the Holy Spirit and said, okay, Lord, I'm ready for a comeback. I'm ready. I'm going to pray for those. But if that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. Come on. I, I just feel like there's a few of you right now. And I'm not going to labor here very long, but I just, I just feel like you need to obey God. You just need to obey God. Just like, just like when God told me, go, I obeyed him. I didn't know where. I didn't know how. I just went. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. There you are. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being open and thank you for being honest. It's not easy to make that. I know it isn't. Come on. I'm telling you, God's bringing healing right there. God's going to heal you. 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 God's going to heal you of that hurt. When I was here last Wednesday, two Wednesdays ago, God says, this is a hospital that I'm going to bring healing in people's lives. He said, many people will come and receive healing, not just physical healing, but there's spiritual and emotional healing, scars, scars in people's lives that God is beginning to heal, even in this altar right here, right now. God's doing it. One more group of people, and then we have to pray. Maybe you're that prodigal son or maybe you're that prodigal daughter that you're away from fa the father and you're away from father, the father's house. But today you just decided to come to church. God is just waiting for you to make a move. All God's looking for is for you to make one move. Make a dis decision in your heart. I'm, gonna, I'm coming back to the father. If that's you, will you boldly right where you are, just shoot up your hand. I don't care. Right over this building, just shoot up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Come on, church. Anybody else? I, God bless you. I'm coming back to the Father. Anybody else? I'm coming back. We had five in the first service. Come on. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I'm coming back. You may be in the altar right now. God bless you. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Now I want you to do something even bolder. If you raised your hand and said, I'm coming back to the Father. I'm that prodigal. I'm that prodigal son and daughter. I want you to meet me right here. Come on, church. Put your hands together. They're coming. They're coming. Come on. They're coming. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Come on. Here they come. Here they come. Come on. Here they come. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with them. Come on. We got some sons and daughters coming home right here, right here, right here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, we're coming. Come on in, come on in, come on in, come on in, come on in. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Come on, come on. Come on in, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Here they come, here they come. Come in. Come on. Scoot up, honey. Let them in, let them in, let them in, let them in. Come on. Come on. It's okay. Cry if you have to cry. Hallelujah. Welcome home. Welcome home. The Father's here. Unconditional love. Pray this prayer with me. Those of you that came up for this purpose, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask you now 
to cleanse me, wash me, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe he died. I believe he rose on the third day. I believe he's coming again. And I want to be ready. So I accept him now as my Lord and as my Savior. I recommit, rededicate my life and my heart to him. And when I fall, because I will, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep serving him all the days of my life. Jesus, thank you for this comeback, for this opportunity. It's in your name that I pray. It's you that I serve. Come on, let's put our hands together and give God praise. I said, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. I'm just going to move a little bit in the Holy Spirit because we, we are connected to that life-giving source right now. How many of you are looking for a bounce back, a comeback in a business? Right here, right now. I need a comeback. I need a bounce back in my business. Amen. Just lift up your hands so I know who I'm praying for. I'm telling there's an anointing for it. I'm just, if someone can help me, just get to some of these that have their hands up. Father, right now, let there be a comeback. Let there be a comeback. Let it blossom again. Let it blossom again in Jesus' name. Now turn around right behind you, this gentleman in the brown vest. Just, just touch him right. Father, right now I pray for a comeback that it's going to blossom more than it ever has before. That life-giving source is about to touch it now, and it will blossom again. Who else? Who else? I saw some hands over here. Who else? Touch in the mighty name of Jesus. Blossom again. Blossom again blossom again in the mighty name of Jesus. New ideas and concepts are coming. New ideas and concepts are coming right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, let it happen. Let it happen. There's some downloads coming into your spirit. God's going to give you ideas. God's going to give you concepts. Go with it. Go with it. Someone over here, was this lady right here? Can you just put your, someone put your hand on, on her? Father, I touch and agree with her right now in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Let it be transformational. Transformational in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody at the altar, get your hands up. God's doing it. Father, right now I pray for a comeback. We've experienced a setback, but now we're getting a comeback. In Jesus' mighty name. I can't get to all of you, but I know who can. In Jesus' mighty name. 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 Now I want you to go ahead and praise him like you know it's happening because it is. Just worship him in this altar like it's happening because it is. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you so much. Come on, Bethesda. Let's give God some glory in this house today. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.